you. Unique, different, amazing you. But have you ever compared yourself to somebody else? Have you ever wanted to look like somebody else? Have you ever thought, I wish I could be like somebody else? I wish I could do the things that other people have done. I wish I could achieve like somebody else has. And what's the difference between uh, losing yourself, uh, losing your own uniqueness uh, and being inspired by other people? So I'm in front of my library where I have literally hundreds of books about people that have inspired me. But I'm going to add a little side note to that. Inspired me to be me. Inspired me to do what I love, what I'm passionate about, and to keep getting better at what I do. So the world is full of people who have done amazing things, yeah? Sports people, business people, musicians, dancers, architects, engineers, really smart people, really fit, strong, healthy people, amazing people that have done awesome things. And all I can say is that we've all got a heart, we've all got two arms and two legs, and some people have done amazing things without two arms and two legs. So if we want to do something, is it possible that we can? Uh, We can compare what other people have done and say, well, if they can do it, I can do it, versus I'm not good enough to do it because I'm not as good as they are. And I think that's a really important thing to consider, particularly if you're involved with coaching people, mentoring people, inspiring people, helping people to achieve their goals. It's easy to give somebody a book and say, read this book, this person is amazing. But what if that doesn't come with a side note of you are also amazing, unique and different and you can do whatever you put your mind to because this person did it and you can do it too versus isn't this person amazing and perhaps you're not good enough. Now I know that we would never say that but every day I work with people uh, literally on a coaching and mentoring basis at the Max International Colleges that don't think they're good enough. They compare themselves to other business people, other exercise professionals, other sports people, other people who are doing exceptionally well, they look at what they're doing and they say, well, I can't do that because I'm not smart enough or I'm too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, too inexperienced, not smart enough, all the things that I always list off as excuses that people have given me for not doing what they want to do. I'm not good enough. Uh, Interesting word that I really like (laughs) and I really hate is the word impossible. Because everything that's ever been achieved was once considered impossible, everything. But if you break that word up a little bit differently and say, I'm possible, is it possible that we could change our headspace rather than thinking it's impossible, I can't do it? How about I am possible, It either it hasn't been done before, which is awesome because I'm going to make it possible, Or if it has been done before, then I can do it too. And could that be a really good thing to consider? That if it has been done before, that you could do it too. And I love those stories where the inspiration at the end of the story comes with, if they can do it, I can do it too. Which is why I often share my very interesting story uh, of a, a little girl who decided at 13 years of age that she was going to have a great life. And I wasn't inspired by other people. I was inspired by the opposite. I was inspired by, I saw people that were 
unhealthy, unfit, out of shape. And I was too, and I didn't want that for the rest of my life. I was only 13 and I looked at older people and thought, wow, these people aren't healthy, they're out of shape, they're fat, and I don't want that for my life, I'm gonna do something about it. I wanted to have a career or business that I was passionate about and I looked at other people and saw that there were some people that weren't very happy (laughs) doing a job that they were getting paid lots of money to do, or even worse, they were doing a job they didn't like and not getting paid very much money to do it. And I just didn't think that that was logical. It didn't make any sense to me. So my inspiration came from, I looked at what other people were doing and I didn't want that. I looked at people that were financially uh, struggling and I've seen so many people become unhappy, miserable, stressed and or worse because of financial challenges. And I just figured there has to be a way to work out how to be financially free and secure. And that's out of all of the big parts of life, I think that's the easiest one because there's so much information on how to become financially free and secure. So if somebody else has done it, you can do it too. And I'm not talking about inheriting money from mum and dad or from a trust fund or just being in a wealthy family. I'm talking about uh, self-created multi-millionaires and billionaires, people who came from zero, scratch, nothing, broke, poor, or worse, and have become very financially successful because they put some things into place. So I looked at that and went, well, I, I can be motivated by that. Not I'm not good enough, the reverse. If they can do it, I can do it too. And the interesting one with relationships, because I always think that there's four important parts to life. Uh, Let me know what you think. I think it's important to be healthy, fit and strong, because if you haven't got your health and fitness, what have you got? What's life like if you're going every day to a horrible, stinking, lousy, stinking, rotten job? Yuck. So healthy, fit and strong, a career or business that you love, financial security, freedom, wealth, whatever you want to call it. But if you don't have to have money controlling your life, wouldn't that be awesome? And then your relationships, having great people in your life. So a great relationship with yourself and a great relationship with all the other people in your life, whether they be customers and clients, members or your family, your friends, your next door neighbours, how to have how to be a great communicator with yourself and other people. So when I looked at those four areas of life, I went looking for people that had all four put together. I went looking for people that I could be inspired by. And that's why I always share, I didn't find anybody. I had to go to books. I had to go to, and back when I was looking, there were no podcasts and there weren't any televised uh, documentaries on great what great people were doing you either had to read a book or you had to go and experience them in person which I did a lot of I invested a lot of my time money energy and obviously uh, my headspace into going to places where there were people that I could be inspired by so if I thought that or somebody had told me it wasn't possible to have a successful business I went to the business conferences that were being held by people who had come from nothing and created something of of, uh, significance. If people said to me that it wasn't, you know, Rowie, you can't run marathon, you can't do bodybuilding, which is what somebody told me in the same year, I decided I'm going to do both of those in the same year. So I better go and have a look at, are there people who have run marathon who are bigger people? Are there people who have competed in bodybuilding who are smaller people? And be inspired by them, not demotivated by them. And I just want to share an interesting one of my headspaces there. I read a book by Oprah Winfrey's personal trainer, and they, they might have even co-authored the book. And it was how her trainer got Oprah Winfrey ready to run a marathon in American terminology, 26 miles. Uh, And she did that marathon at 190 pounds. 
And I'm just going to use that as an interesting headspace for me because I looked at that, read the book, looked at the pictures and went, if a woman that's over 100 kilos can run a marathon, and she did, I can do that too. And she said it beautifully because I'd been told by a lot of people, oh, a marathon's really hard and you'll hit the wall at... In, in if you're going to run 42.2 kilometers, you'll hit the wall at about 35 or 37 kilometers and it'll be really hard after that. And Oprah's quote was a bit different and I'm paraphrasing, but she said, if you get to 23, 24 miles, why would you stop? You've only got two miles to go. You've only got four or five kilometers to go. Why would you stop? You've come all this way. <laughs> why would you stop? And that made so much sense to me. So what I'm asking and perhaps to consider is that rather than going to idolize people or believe in people or that person is amazing, uh, how about have a look at what everybody's done, the, the lazy, undisciplined uh, people who have achieved nothing and do the opposite to that. Have a look at the amazing achievers and pull different things that you are going to appreciate. So... Uh, do I love or or have an opinion about Oprah Winfrey? No, but I have this great uh, quote that I share with myself on a regular basis when I was running marathons is, Roe, if you get to 35Ks, why would you stop? You've only got seven to go. And that came as a, a paraphrase from something that I learned from a person who accomplished something that I wanted to do that I didn't think I could do. So would it be a good idea if you're going to have a look at or want to be inspired by or motivated by other people to take the best of what they've done and apply it to your own life and you become better and better every day rather than I'm not good enough or they're better than me. And I was given a really great quote. If if somebody had uh, or if somebody asks me, what is the thing that changed your life the most? It would be the application of this particular quote. And the quote is, Never overestimate other people and never underestimate yourself. And when I really broke that down and considered what that quote's all about, and it's going to be different for you, but for me it meant that I don't know about other people. I don't know what's going on in their private life. I don't know what kind of people they really are. I can read their book and still not really understand them or know them. So why would I overestimate what they've done? I'm going to appreciate what they've done. I'm going to respect what they've done, but I'm not going to overestimate other people. I'm not going to think I'm not good enough and I'm never going to underestimate myself because if I apply discipline, commitment, focus, 10,000 hours, and I always use that example because in this library, uh, I would say every book in this library is about somebody who has applied 10,000 hours of what they love to do into getting better at what they do. And that there's a reason for those 10,000 hours because the people that study excellence, and that's something I've been studying since I left school in year nine, why do people become excellent at what they do? Why do they become uh, not, and I don't like to use the word best because the people that are the best at what they do, they're still aiming to get better because for me, excellence is about aiming to get better and better and better. And all of these people and everybody that I've ever been involved with that has been really good at what they do, it's always been 10,000 hours. There's no, there doesn't seem to be too much dispute about that. If you put in 100% effort and focus and commitment for a minimum of 10,000 hours, you will get good at what you're passionate about. And 
could it be 9,900 or is it 10,500? I don't, it doesn't matter. That's, that's not the point. The point is that time's going to pass you by anyway. And if you apply passion, enthusiasm, discipline, commitment, focus to what you want to do for at least 10,000 hours, is it possible that you'll get good at it too? And I took that from that don't overestimate other people, don't underestimate yourself, apply what other people have done and is it possible that you will be able to do it in your own unique and different way so are you unique of course are you different from everybody else on the planet of course and even if you are a a a twin uh please please know (laughs) that you are a unique and individual person and i'm sharing that with you because that's something i really had to take on board I went through a major period of time in my life where I didn't think I was good enough and I tried to be like everybody else. When I came in, this happened to me when I came into the exercise profession because I I looked at all these amazing people. Uh, They were exercise physiologists and they owned gyms and they had classes with three and four hundred people in them. And I share that because when I started, it was the 80s, the very beginning of the 80s, and aerobics was booming and there literally were classes with two, three, four, five hundred people in them. And I looked at these people and I was uh, I was just blown away by their amazingness. What I've learned now and what I can share with you as being now an old lady looking back over my life is that I overestimated a lot of people and I underestimated myself. And when I stopped doing that, when I stopped thinking I wasn't good enough and started applying, because if you say I'm not good enough, you, your brain will believe you. Your brain will do whatever you tell it to do. Isn't that interesting? So if I say I'm not good enough, your brain says, no, you're not. And here's all the reasons why. But if I say, how can I do it? How can I make that happen? How can I achieve it? What do I need to do? Who do I need to become? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start doing if I'm going to achieve that? Then my brain gives me all the answers. So that day, that switch of headspace, which is don't overestimate other people and don't underestimate yourself, that changed my life because I'm now inspired and and motivated and I respect the people that have done great things and I take what they have shared with me and you, books and books and books and now podcasts and seminars and documentaries and you can go hear these people speak live and I take that information and have applied it to my life. The next thing is, or the next question I'd like to ask is your own unique style. Who are you? And it's one of those great exercises that I was given when I was 18 years of age and now I've been giving it to every single person that I do coaching and mentoring with, whether it was a personal exercise coach or now as a business coach, is who are you and who do you represent? What do you want the world to know you as? So I always ask for five words. Describe yourself in five words. If this was your reputation or this is what you want people to say about you, what would those five words be? And for me, this is the fundamental, the foundation of building a business, building a life, building a brand, building a style, being you. Because you decide those words, you decide who you're going to be, then you become that person. It's an easy process. Who do you want to be? Become that person. Dress like that person, talk like that person, act like that person, think like that person, present yourself to the world like that person, apply discipline in your life like that person would. And as I always share, this happened to me when I was 18 years of age, my five words are tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional. Tough and fair, I got two on one, on one and I'm sharing you with my thumb because I always take my hands with me 
and I've connected those words to my hand so I can always be that person. I can look at my hand and think tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional. When I decided that, I just became that person and almost a little bit lazy because I don't have to make decisions anymore. I just ask the question, what would a tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional person do? How would they dress? How would they act? What would they do in this situation? So I'm going to use just a silly example. Uh, because I've decided to be tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional and because I want my, to have my own unique style... I don't copy anybody. I'm not interested in fashion. I'm not interested in trends. I'm not interested in what everybody else is doing. I'm not interested in being a sheeple. How about you? I want to be Rowie. And I'm asking you, who are you? And what do you stand for? What would you die for? Five words to describe who you are. And then be that person. So I'm not affected by, and I'm going to use fashion as an example. Fashion goes in and out of fashion. It's designed to do that. Style never goes out of fashion, so I'll just repeat that as a quote. Fashion is designed to go out of style. Style never goes out of fashion. So when you create your own style, your, your, your own unique way of living, being, presenting, dressing, talking, speaking, that's who you are. Now, uh, a business person might call that branding because if you go off brand, then people don't recognize you. If you don't be the person that you're sharing with the world, or if you don't be the person that you've promised yourself to be, which is even more important, then no one will recognize you. So those five words are my fundamentals, tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional. And then I apply all of that to every area of my life. Now, from a fashion style clothing point of view, no fashion here. I don't, there's things I don't wear because they don't suit me. I don't care how fashionable they are. I don't wear them because they don't suit me. Uh, because I have five words to describe who I am, whenever I get dressed, I always ask myself this question. Rowie, do you look like a tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional woman? And if I don't, I go and get changed. Now that's changed over my, my lifetime, of course, uh, because I'm older now. <laughs> But there came a, a very distinct time in my life where I stopped wearing mini skirts and I stopped wearing my cleavage out and I stopped having my, uh, my midriff, as my mother used to call it, showing. Because for me, that was no longer tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional. Professional people to me don't have skirts that are too short. They don't have their boobies out and they don't have their, their tummy showing. And there's a reason for that. Uh, and I was explained to this by a man, and perhaps it's a really good, good idea or something to consider. If you're a woman, I'm not sure we understand how the, the, the male brain works. We could pretend, and we could study it, and we could be told. But it's because I've talked to so many men about this, it's really interesting. If, if you look inside a male brain, and if, the, if you look at the CAT scans and the activity in a male brain, if a male is presented with something sexual, it takes over. So if a man sees a set of boobies or they see a bum or they see a front bum or even a hint of, a, of any of those, doesn't matter what you're saying anymore, all of the words disappear. 
uh, and this is, and I'm not, I'm not talking out of my backside here, this has been studied to the nth degree because if a man's not focusing, not listening, not concentrating on what he's supposed to be doing because he's having a sexual fantasy, and there's one uh, neuroscientist that did a study on a group of men and found that on average men have 120 sexual fantasies in an hour on average. Now, that could be a fleeting thought. It could be a, a, a microsecond of, of a sexual thought. But that red light in the brain, the sexual part of the brain, just kept lighting up, lighting up, lighting up, lighting up. Why am I sharing this with you? Because I wanted people to take me seriously. I wanted the business world to take me seriously. And I had to understand from the study of neuroscience that if I had my boobies out, if I had my front bum showing, and that's called active wear, because if you're wearing tights, and a bloke can see your front bum or your back bum, it's just, you may as well be naked, it just happens to be a different colour. If you've got black tights on, you've got your black naked. If you've got uh, floral tights on, your floral naked. If you've got pink tights on, be very careful, because you look naked. And if a man's got a naked woman in front of him, he's going to be focusing on the naked, not on what's coming out of my mouth. And I had to understand that. There was a time when I had my boobies out and I had my bottom cheek showing and I had my tummy out. I was in great nick. I've been an exercise professional all of my life. I had ripped abdominals and tight butt cheeks. But if I've got them showing, then people weren't focusing on me and what I had to say. And it's not focus on me, I'll rephrase that. I had a message to share with the world and I was talking at medical conferences. I talked to professional groups of people, big uh, uh, conventions of doctors, uh, lawyers, accountants, financial planners, engineers, school teachers. And imagine if I'm standing up on a stage and I've got half of the room is filled with, with men and they're not focusing on what's coming out of my mouth, which is information on how to be healthy, fit and strong for the rest of your life, have a career or business that you love, be financially free and have great relationships. They're just thinking about, um, I can see her front bum or I can see her back bum or I can see her boobies. And I'm sharing that with you because <laughs> I had to learn the hard way. We live in a world now where sexuality has exploded. Everywhere you look on television, particularly, of course, on social media, have you noticed that there's a lot of bare bits? And that's awesome. If you, if you, loved, if you want to share your body with the world, that is absolutely your choice to do that. And I, I had to accept that I wanted to do that too. But I had to accept the consequences. I had to accept that if I wasn't dressed as a professional person, if I was dressed sexually, then there were a lot of people that weren't going to be listening to what I had to say. They couldn't concentrate because that's not how the male brain works. Uh, I'll just add an interesting side note to that. A lot of the neuroscience study also has shared that if you're a woman and you're in good shape and there's other women in the room, you will immediately cause a barrier because women will not like you. And there's a, an interesting study that shows that we go from head to toe as women. We start at the head and we go face, neck, boobies, shoulders, abdominals, hips, thighs, ankles, feet. And we go, oh, yeah, she looks fantastic. And then on the way back up, we go, yeah, but fat ankles, fat knees, maybe her thighs are a bit lumpy. Look, she's got a bit of a, a flabby tummy. Uh, her, her arms aren't as good as she thinks they are. And look at her ugly face. And I'm sharing that with you because that's how the female form will quickly go and assess another female. And if we go perfect, perfect, perfect and come back up perfect, 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 we often go, yuck, I don't like her because she's perfect. Why am I sharing this with you? We only get one chance to make a first impression. And most of the time in life, uh, 
we're aiming to look like somebody else. We dress to suit the current fashion trend. We dress to suit what everybody else is wearing. We dress because that's what everybody else is doing and we want to fit in with the crowd. But is it possible that if we're fitting in with the crowd that we're going to get what the crowd's getting? Uh, why not be unique and different and stand out from the crowd because you are a unique, different individual? Another fun story about uh, pr presentation. I've had this hair uh, since I was 12. I used to be a swimmer and my hair was always green. Now, I don't know what colour my hair is now, but I did have blonde hair as a young kid. And when I went swimming every day, my hair was always green. So one day I had a ponytail down, the, the, literally down, the, down to my bum, and I came home from the pool one day and just went, I'm sick of this wet green hair, and I chopped my hair off here. And except for the 80s where I had a mullet for a bit, how embarrassing, and that's what I'm talking about. When I look at those photos, I'm embarrassed because I followed the crowd and had a mullet because that's what was in fashion at the time. That's why one of the, another, another one of the reasons why I don't do that anymore. Anyway, so I have this hair because it's very convenient. Tough and fair, positive, stylish, disciplined and professional also means I have to be on time. It means I'm busy. It means I don't have time to screw around with my hair. So every two weeks I go to a fantastic hairstylist. It takes about seven minutes to cut my hair and I've had this exact same hair for as long as I can remember. Uh, 12 years of age and for a very short period of time in the 80s I had a mullet and apart from that the same hair. And it's interesting because sometimes this hairstyle goes in is in fashion and most of the time it's out of fashion. And I cannot share, it's a really funny experience, how many people have said to me, Rowing, you need to change your hair, it's out of fashion at the moment, or people who have copied my hair. And I'm sharing this with you because I've turned up at events where people knew that I was talking and they said to me, Rowing, we got our hair cut like yours because we love your hair. Now, I imagine that I should take that as a compliment and it's lovely. But my answer to that, or my question for that is, why would you want to look like somebody else? Why don't you want to look like you? Your unique style, your, create your own style based on who you are, what you stand for, what you, what you want to represent. I'm going to give you another really interesting story on presentation. One of my clients when I was a personal exercise coach was Miss Nude Australia. Uh, she had won that competition. She planned on winning it again. And obviously she came to an exercise professional because she needed to have a body that was in peak physical condition. And she had a very set criteria for what her body needed to look like. It had nothing to, literally nothing to do with what other women's bodies look like because she wanted to be unique and different. She wanted to stand out from a very busy crowd of nude models. So she shared with me exactly what she wanted she invested every single dollar of her income into her body, into her presentation, into her hair, into her nails, her makeup. She was the complete package of gorgeous. She won Miss Nude Australia. She won Miss Nude Australia the next year. It was a very cool experience to go and watch her compete in that competition. But she shared with me that her goal was, and when I met her, she was 23 years of age. Her goal was to be financially free by the time she was 25. And she said to me, Rowie, I'm never going to take my clothes off for anybody ever again unless I want to, not for the money. So she had a very specific and set goal. And I'm sharing this story because she had a very specific and set style. And she was never going to deviate from that style because she wanted to represent something. So whether you are wanting to be Miss Nude, 
whatever country you're from, or whether you want to be a top elite sports person or a business person or a professional of any kind, my question is this. Are you comparing yourself to other people? Do you want to be like anybody else? And my question would be why? If you're looking at what other people are doing, just be inspired and motivated that if they can do it, you can do it too. And be aware that there are some things that we can't change. So even if you want to look like another person because they've got, I like their hair or I like their boobies or I like their legs, is it possible that we can't look like somebody else? We have the genetics that we've got. And I always use this example because I'm a size 16 in the upper body and a size 10 in the lower body, which makes it very difficult to buy clothes. Uh, And I can't change that. That's the width of my shoulders and the width of my hips, and that's just how it is. I get to choose how much fat I've got on my body. I get to choose how fit and strong I am. I get to choose how much muscle I keep rather than lose as I get older. And so do you. Isn't that exciting? So how about we work with the beautiful canvas that we've got? We were given a brain, we were given a body, we were given a drive, a a, a discipline level. We can decide what we're going to do with all of that. If you don't like your discipline level, you can change it. If you don't like the amount of fat you've got on your body, you can change it. If you don't like your job, you can change it. There's some things that we can change. There are some things that we can't change. And why would we want to... If we can't change it, why would we want to? Because that's what makes us unique and different from everybody else. So rather than compare yourself to anybody, rather than feel less than important because you think other people are better than you, how about this beautiful quote? Don't overestimate other people. Never underestimate yourself. Be inspired by other people and then go and do what you are passionate about. Wouldn't that be awesome? I feel good, na-na-na-na-na-na-na, because I love my life, because I've chosen how I want it to be. Romax, I would love for you to live your life to the max. So thank you for coming to Romax.